Hello race fans and welcome to Disc Golf Daily. Today is January 19th, 2024. We are the podcast that gets you caught up with the growth of our sport as well as top level news and one disc golf thought. Now smash that volume button and the subscribe button and let's get to it. Part one, grow baby grow. So I've been telling you all the PDGA growth numbers, like how many new members, how many act, uh, current members, but those numbers don't mean anything without context. So I went ahead and did a little research and added some context. We're going to go ahead and set a goal for new PDGA executive director, Doug Birkus of 15% growth. For new members, that basically equals 115 people every day. This is new members every day from now through the end of October. Obviously, January is probably going to be slower and April, May, and June will be quicker, but we're going to set it as a constant number. For the renewing members, we're going to go ahead and allow for more growth in January and less growth in September because people have already renewed. So for the renewing members, uh, we're setting 15% growth and we want 713 new members each day in January. So with that in mind, we now have a little bit of context. So with new members, our goal is 115 per day. Yesterday, we got 81 new members. Our current highest PDGA number is 277067, which is a little more than 1,000 behind the goal that I have randomly set at 15% growth. So we're a little bit behind on new members, which makes sense because it's January and it's cold and not a lot of new members are joining the PDGA. As far as renewing members go, though, uh, our goal of 713 per day yesterday or today, actually, we hit 700 new members, uh, renewed members, my apologies. So 700 renewed members yesterday. Our goal was 713. We're still 108 ahead of our January target. So total current members, 62,945. If we want 15% growth, I would anticipate we need to currently have 62,837. So well done, PDGA. We are ahead of schedule. Our stat of the day is, we're sticking with the MPO side, is PPI, which stands for Precision Power Index. Basically, uh, what are the odds of, not odds, but uh, how often do you give yourself an opportunity to score uh, birdie or better on very long holes? And no shock, but Calvin Heimberg leads PPI with a 54.2. Simon Lazat has 50.9, and Oscari Vikstrom is 50.5. You probably remember that name because he was in second place in Circle 2 in regulation. Uh, Oscari has got some game. So what do these numbers actually mean? In doing a little bit of research on PPI, uh, the number itself doesn't actually mean anything. What it is is more of a relative to other people. So for example, uh, Albert Tom, who led PPI last year with 45.1 and is this year was in 17th with a 44.1. Uh, 44.1 is basically 20% less than Calvin Heimberg's 54.2. So if we're on a long haul, Calvin Heimberg has about a 20% better chance of setting himself up for a birdie or an eagle. And that's how you can think about PPI. The median PPI 
uh, among touring pros is about 31. So that gives you an idea that Calvin Heimberg is really making up some ground on those really long holes, as are Simon and Oscari. And that is it for our stat of the day, and I hope you understand PPI a little bit better. And that brings us to part two, news of the day. The PDGA's put out a a call to represent. Um, If you would like to be on the Pan American team for the Disc Golf Championships, this is put on by the World Flying Disc Federation, also known as WIFDIF. There's a link in the show notes to find out how you can apply to be on that team. Also in the news, the PDGA has put out a really good podcast called PDGA Radio. And in the most recent episode, they go through, they have some fun and they have a great conversation about all the new PDGA rules changes. So if you want to get those straight from the horse's mouth, click that link in the show notes and listen to all of the PDGA rules changes. They do a great job of going through it fast and making it fun. Um, Green Splatter put out an interesting article, basically, why is par? Uh, They list four reasons that par exists. Measuring stick, it's helpful for TDs, uh, great for the players so they can try to set their goals, and it also helps for people that are watching. Okay, he did well on that hole, he didn't do so well. Um, And Lucas puts out the, he closes the article by saying, Quote, it pains me to say this, ball golf got it right. Disc golf would be wise to follow suit. And he is arguing that we need to uh, tighten up par and make it matter more. So that's an interesting article. You can follow the link in the show notes uh, if you want to comment and have a a fun par discussion. Par is always fun to talk about. Um, the Disc Golf Pro Tour has announced that uh, Simon Lazat and Kristen Tatar will not be appearing at the All-Star Weekend. Uh, Aaron Gossage and Henna Blomroos were first alternates and will be filling in for them. All-Star Weekend is about one month away. Get ready. Here we go. Coming up after the break, the best three holes on the Boar Score chart. Over the past week, I've been beating up some courses and uh, telling them they're too high on the bore score. I figured we should go over the top three holes for FPO from last season. These are the three most exciting holes uh, for the bore score. That means just they have a wide variety of scores. Uh, The top three holes for a wide variety of scores are the first hole is the open at Austin's hole number two. This is a 690-foot par 4. There's OB on the left, and then late OB comes in on the right. Uh, 38% of the players carded par, but 20% carded birdie. And then the there's a bunch of bogeys, 20% bogey, 17% double bogey, and 6% triple bogey or worse. That score, that hole, you, you could be standing on the tee and, and think, realistically think you might gain three strokes on somebody. Um, that is an exciting hole. Well done, Austin. Uh, our number two hole in bore score, and this is, means you're doing well, this is a, have a very low bore score, is uh, the Innova course, hole number seven at the Las Vegas Challenge. 
This is 26% uh, birdie, 12% par, and then the people of above par are broken up pretty evenly between bogey, double bogey, and even triple bogey. So again, you're standing on the tee, you can seriously think about gaining three strokes on this hole. It's a 417 foot par four uh, with a water carry and, uh, and some OB islands and greens, like sand traps and ball golf greens right around the pin. Uh, maybe not the most aesthetically pleasing. I personally don't like having uh, ball golf greens be involved with holes, but as far as score goes, very exciting. And the number one course, number one hole for the bore score is PCS Sula's hole number 12. Uh, for the FPO division, this is a 700-foot 700, 700 par 5. Uh, the first half of the hole is through the woods. It goes out into a uh, landing zone in the field where they have to throw a across the field through into more woods, again, with OB all around. Uh, basically, with the exception of the landing area, the entire field is out of bounds. Um, this hole, uh, if you're standing on the tee and you are four or five behind somebody, this might be the time to make your move. So one-third of the people get the birdie. One-quarter of the people get a par. And uh, that leaves 25, 45% uh, or so, 43%, uh, turns out, um, that get above the par. And of those, most are getting a triple or worse. So 14% bogey, 10% double bogey, 20% triple bogey. And just for fun, one player actually got the eagle. So that there's a lot of variety on that, on that hole. Uh, from a 3 to a 10, those are the scores at PCS Sula. So the most exciting hole in the women's disc golf last year was PCS Sula's hole 12. And by exciting, in this case, I mean a variety of scores. Thank you all very much for listening. If you have some news you want us to share, discgolfdaily at AOL.com. Throw them straight, hit the thin gap, have a great day.